Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Home and Away, a podcast devoted to all things in and around the world of sporting Kansas City soccer. I am Drew Vanderplu, joined once again, as always, by my good friend Cody Welton. This week on the podcast, the MLS offseason is in full swing as both the trade window and free agency have opened, and Sporting Kansas City made a signing. Perhaps it wasn't one to get significantly excited about, but it did happen. We also have some reporting on Gadi Kinda, and it seems less and less likely that he will be returning to wear Sporting Blue next season. It's end of season report card time for Sporting Kansas City. Cody and I will each highlight the players we felt achieved well, those that have opportunities for improvement, and those that might have left something to be desired. MLS Hostel season is hitting a fever pitch, and there are lots of players linked in different areas. Will Sporting Kansas City make a significant move within the league over the next week? We will discuss and give our ideas as who we'd like to see. Cody, we spent a bit of time discussing whether Gaudikinda should be brought back as a designated player next year. Uh, I wrote an article for the Kansas City Soccer Journal that kind of talks through some of those potentialities and why they may or may not work. But we never really discussed the dynamics of whether he'd actually want to return. Uh, You and I had a bit of a conversation off pod about this, and I think perhaps it's important to add some context to this situation and why it appears he might be moving on. Um, Do you want to give a little bit of kind of your understanding of the situation, just like, just kind of read on what might be going on with him. Yeah. So, um, you know, as, as everybody knows, he's, he's Jewish, uh, but he's, um, he's Ethiopian uh, Jew. And so um, there is a, 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 a healthy community of Ethiopian Jews who uh, have uh, emigrated to Israel and, um, and, um, there have been in the past, um, at, at least a, there, there has been at least a small community of, of, uh, Ethiopian Jewry here in, in Kansas city. Uh, but to my knowledge, um, that, um, those folks have all moved away in the past, um, handful of years. And so, so I'm not sure that, um, I know that I know that he's visited, you know, some of the Jewish communities, uh, around the city, but I don't know that he has, uh, that, that, you know, he was ever a, uh, a, a regular attender of any functions, either like secular or religious functions. And so, you know, I, I, I suspect that, um, I su- suspect that he was missing sort of that component because, um, uh, as, as one might expect, you know, e- Ethiopian jewelry is, is, is way, uh, not way different, but it's, it's significantly different from, you know, your standard, you know, Israeli, um, uh, way of being Jewish or, or, you know, American way of, of, of being Jewish, which are mostly sort of, uh, influenced by, uh, Europe and Eastern Europe. Um, and so, uh, I would imagine that there was a little bit of homesickness and that sort of thing. And it's all hundred percent speculation on my part. Um, but, but it just seems like from a community aspect, there wasn't a lot to sort of anchor him here in, in Kansas city. And, and, um, and so it's not, I think maybe super surprising that um, that that he would leave. Um, and I think it it leaves a really big hole, uh, honestly, in the uh, in the roster. That uh, I don't know. I mean, it it, it remains to be seen what they're going to do about it. If they're going to do anything about it, uh, it's it's one of the more fascinating um, things uh, that's going to be addressed in the offseason, I think. 
There's certainly a lot of layers to that conversation. I think here in a second, we can get to the layers of how they might react to this situation and how they might deal with it. Um, for context, Cody has a significant just awareness of the Jewish community in Kansas city. He teaches at a Jewish school. He, he is a, a, you know, you're, you're the athletic director of that school now. So yeah, like yeah. there, there you have, um, significantly more uh, context as far as the Jewish community in Kansas city is concerned than the average person would. Yeah. So that's why I asked Cody to kind of at least provide some of that to just give people some understanding of, of what he might be dealing with personally. The other part is, is that, you know, when he emigrated to Israel, um, the area that he's from Ashdod is not far from Gaza. Yeah. Um, and so if he still has family in that area, that it's it's not far at all from where the um, music festival was, where all of the Hamas, where the Hamas attack happened originally, and where all of the people were uh, the the hostages were taken from. It's right in the same area where Gadi and his family emigrated to. So I, I just want to make sure that I, I'm not trying to say that that is definitely a part of it, but it's something for everyone to just sort of like have some context related to as far as you know, there were comments made about his ability to play in games because of the things that were happening in Israel and what was going on there. And I think it's reasonable just for us to, without making conclusions to understand that there's more to this than just soccer for him. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, uh, to, to recognize is that it's not just that, that, uh, those places are close to, uh, to Gaza or to the, uh, the West Bank. Uh, like every place in Israel is close to those places. I mean, Israel's tiny. You can drive across it in, uh, in an hour or two. Uh, you can drive north to south, um, uh, from, from Lebanon all the way to the Red Sea, um, in like, you know, eight hours. And so, uh, it's a very, very small, uh, country. And, um, wherever you are in the country, wherever anybody is in the country is, is close to, um, um, you know, potential danger. Um, and so, um, you know, I, 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 I have, you know, I have friends and coworkers and, and people that I know that, that have the same sort of pull, uh, back to Israel. And, um, and, um, it's a, it's a powerful thing. And, and if you have loved ones, uh, that are in that situation, um, I can definitely, you know, see the, the, the drive to, um, uh, um, to get back there and, and to be with your, with your loved ones during times like these. 100%. Um, so anyway, I thought that was important for us to provide that context, especially as we're hearing some of these reports about the fact that he may not return. I think that there's, this is a multi-layered situation. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think uh, I'm treating it as he's not returning. I, uh, everything that, everything that we've seen is, is, is pretty, um, you know, pretty substantially uh, on that side of the issue. I think even if sporting were willing to offer him a significant DP contract, I don't think that that is the driving factor for him at this moment. Mm -hmm. And um, that if he can find a way to play or not play, it may or he may not even be worried about playing right now. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. it's hard. It's hard yeah. to really know. And we're, I'm not going to speculate as to what his mindset is. I would say that it, your your um assertion i think feels valid which is it just feels like it's probably just not happening yeah and um that is unfortunate 
but also you have to respect the fact that he's got personal life things that he is that are that i mean life takes first precedent always yeah. over work. and 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 frankly all the best to him you know i mean he he um he played out his contract and you know he had some injury issues but he was a uh um you know he was a a a, a really net positive player when he was on the field and and he seems like a a, a really nice guy and um you know w- it's uh, it, it's it's uh, he's a professional and and he's got to go where the where you know he feels most comfortable and where he feels like he can um, you know do the best and be the best for himself and for his family. So uh, you know, no no ill will. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely not. Yeah, I think that I think we can all appreciate the um, um, in the impact that he has had on this team. And wish that we got to see more of it, but also respect the fact that he's got his own personal decisions to make regarding yeah. his continued playing career. Just look at just look at someone like Darlington Abbey, you know, who who you know has made that choice for you know with regards to the national team. It's made that choice, you know, with like regards to playing in Europe. He, right, right, exactly. It. He's I mean, he's like, been no, he's been one be. of the, he's been one of the best players in MLS for ten years. Yeah, and, he just uh, wants to be in 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 Ohio with his family and where his roots are, and and uh, you know you got to respect that. I think one hundred percent. And he also had another epic Darlington Dagby game in the MLS Cup final. Just doing what he does. Yep. Never giving up the ball, having unworldly like um, passing completion while putting it in any direction he feels like Mm -hmm. and um, winning every duel he's in. I just, the guy's unbelievable. I, there's a whole conversation we can have about had he played for the U S men's national team over the past five years, like what that could look like, because I feel like he would bring value. I've said over and over again, I feel like Eunice Musa is a young version of him, um, but he's not at his level as far as uh, his um, composure. And I think that, yeah, anyway, but that that's a, that's a great example of a guy who soccer is not his only life. Right. right. He, he yep. has other he has other um, aspirations and and um, he prioritizes things other than his job, which we all talk about regularly in our own lives. Yeah. Is my job? Should my job be 100 percent of my uh, of my priority? Maybe not. As fans of a soccer team, sometimes we think that they, those players, it should be their one, their 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 main priority. But realistically, we all have lives. And we all need to balance those. So uh, I, I do think that it does create a situation as we discussed last week. And as I also, as I hit in the opener, discuss a little bit on the article I wrote for the KC Soccer Journal, which was really more to just provide additional sort of visual data to the conversation we had last week on the podcast about where sporting sits financially. Um, there is a little bit of an errors and omissions thing. I had think I said on the podcast they had eleven point one million in salary budget. It's really ten point seven five. I had put some wrong things in my spreadsheet mathematically. That how of, how dare you? Yeah, I know. How dare I? Um, so it's really ten point seven five million is what their budget is based on what I know they've received in GAM and trades this year and what their allocations are. Um, there could probably, be, you could probably find that in the in the 
that, yeah. that discrepancy in the, in the, the couches, in the couches, of, of in the the couch pillows. Yeah. 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 The couch pillows of the illigs have some gam stuck in there somewhere. And uh -huh. they, they really could, you know, there could be some stuff from different trades or whatnot that, that has um, come that has, you know, become available, but yeah. So I was off by a couple hundred thousand as far as that's concerned. I want to be honest. Um, I know it seems weird to say what's a couple hundred thousand between friends, but when it comes to how we're estimating what the actual cap charge situation is, a couple hundred thousand is kind of the error. It's kind of the plus or minus when we're looking at that. So anyway, 10.75 is kind of what their salary budget is after you know, filling a DP slot that kind of leaves them between 700,000 and a million to spend. I don't think realistically they would have been able to sign Gotti for that number. And that means they'd have to have made him a DP. And as we discussed already, I'm not sure that even made a difference and, or, or it would have been the right decision. So I think what's going to be interesting is how they go forward with this. You know, what do they have? a player available in the winter that they're really going after that. They're really excited about that. They would go get, or is this more of a summer thing? Um, the next few, the next few weeks are going to be instructive. We put it that way. Um, and whether they sign, I mean, if they were to sign Kellen Acosta, he'd have to be a DP for sporting. There's no way for them to do it otherwise financially just within the cap boundaries. So, you know, the discuss the, 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 we floated this idea last week about Acosta. He would have to be a DP. Does that change your calculus on whether or not you'd sign him? Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a DP. I, I, I don't know that he, he's okay. So he made, that, he made, know. he made 1.35, 1.4 million last year yeah. for LAFC. So he's going to want a big raise regardless. The yeah. TAM max is 1.68. Like, I, I, I think I he's a DP wherever no he goes. Idea. I had no idea he was making that much money. Yeah. I like him a lot, but I mean, he's not worth that much money. So not, not, not given the constraints of MLS in my opinion. Okay. I mean, I, I disagree. I think that he is a much more valuable player than, than often given credit for. But I also don't know if it's the right place for sporting to invest a DP, right? right? I, I don't know if they get the value out of him at a DP that another team would. I think there are other teams that would get more value out of him as a DP than sporting Kansas city would. Matt Doyle brought up the fact that he probably needs to go to a place where they're going to make him 100% a D yeah. mid yeah. and he's not going to be that sporting, right? No. No. I think, I think if he is a control the game D mid for a team, then you can understand why you mm -hmm. like he's the he's the center of their spine. I understand yeah. why you make him a DP at that point. Uh -huh. um, Sporting's not going to use him in that way. Yeah, if 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 Sporting had not signed uh, Radia and could could plug him in at that spot, then sure, maybe that's something. But I mean, but you know, the thing is, is what are you what are you going to do? You, you know, pay him DP money and then play him instead of Voltaire. Um, there there needs to be a bigger you know a, a bigger goal creating impact at that position, I think. And, uh, you know, especially if you're, if you're taking that sort of dynamic, uh, creativity off of the field by, by, um, saying goodbye to Gotti Kinda, then, uh, you have to replace it with something different than, uh, a Kellen Acosta. Yeah. One of the things that I suppose, you know, like posited on the, in the article was that it's most likely that it's a midfield position as DP goes to. The more I think about it, the more that you're sort of talking about it, it may not have to be a deep, it may not have to be a midfielder. It could be a winger. It could be a really creative in and out winger, you know, like inside outside winger. Mm -hmm. 
Um, especially as Johnny Russell continues to kind of hit his kind of, uh, it could be like if they could get a right sided Denny's Bowanga kind of player. Yeah. Um, they, they need, they need some Carlos Vela, some youth you know, and some speed think, think, think that, Carlos Vela, 2018, yep. right? 2018 yep. Carlos Vela, if they were able to get that type of player, I think that that would be the right type of signing for them to make as well. So yeah. it needs to be an attacking player. I think we all agree with that, that it needs to be a chance creator or one that helps make chances happen. If they aren't personally creating them, it's more like, you know, creating the opportunity for them. Right. But, uh, it, it may or may not have to be a midfielder. So that that supposition may and uh, in, in may not be accurate, but I do think it's going to be an attacking player of some kind. Yeah, it, and, it and that, that it, that's it, typical it in MLS. It should be. I mean, that's, you have to you have to pay money for goals. I mean, mm-hmm. that, but so. that and that's typical in MLS. The majority of the money is spent on the attacking end of the field yep. for obvious reasons. You can make the biggest change as much as I love miles Robinson. And I think he is a great center back. I don't think adding miles Robinson to your back line removes as many goals as adding Denny's Bowanga or Hani Mukhtar to your front line adds goals. Right. And I think that's the key difference, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, as, as you, as you evaluate these things, we're talking about the overall aggregate. What's going to make my goal differential get the largest. It's going to happen on the offensive side of the field. Um, so that, that, that is where I expect to see that that spent. We'll just have to see if they do it right away or if they wait and look for someone in the summer that they can add. Sporting did make a signing. Uh, they, they signed someone, (laughs) um, they signed a left back. We kind of expected that they would sign a left back. Zorhan Basang, uh, Basang was a player for the Montreal Impact for two seasons, and he has played for two different Romanian sides. I'm not going to try to pronounce both of them over the last year. Uh, He played a decent amount in 2021 for Montreal, did not play very much at all in 2022, and um, has barely played in Romania. I, I think in the last two years, he's played like 800 minutes of league soccer. So we're not talking about a guy who is going to burn the doors off of anything. Um, He did. uh, He was in the the same academy in Belgium as Logan and Denbe at one point. I don't know what that means other than they Mm. happen to be there at the same time. Um, uh, But I, I think that we expected there would be some backup at left back put here. I, yeah. I found it interesting that this announcement happened like two days after Natty Clark was signed to an uh, SKC two contract. Uh huh. Yeah, which, which is another, which is another thing we talked about last week. I mean, I don't know what to say. Yeah, you do. Like, I mean, I do know it, <laughs> but I, yeah, I just like, why are we signing a twenty four year old who has you know nine hundred MLS minutes? Or I guess it's more than that. Uh, but still, like a guy who was sort of a spot player for a terrible Montreal Impact team. Like terrible. That team yeah. in 2020 was garbage. Yeah. When they were good in 2022 again with Nancy, they he didn't play. Yeah. <laughs> and then he left for Romania and can't play there. Mm-hmm. I'm just like... I, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. But the our academy kid, who seems to be a really good player, he was the only MLS next All Star that uh, from our from our fucking group that went to the All Star game. Yep, he has been useful for the for the twos. And here we go. He's just he signs a two contract, and he's not he can't get be even a like third string backup for the first team. And I'm just like, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Well, maybe, you know, I mean, it's, it's completely possible that they're just hedging their bets with, uh, with this uh, other signing. And I uh, just wanted to make sure that, you know, if, 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 you know, if, if Clark isn't good enough to, to even be a, a an MLS level backup, that they have somebody in, in, in the reserves who can at least fill in that role. And, you know, I would say that it's, you know, it's better than re-signing, you know, Ben Sweat or well, Amadou Dia or, you know. Okay, somewhat. but but there there are literally zero impacts to Sporting Kansas City signing Clark to a to a first team contract and loaning him back to the twos for the whole season. Yeah. They didn't do that. They signed him to the they, twos. I mean they don't they and now now yeah. they have to loan him up. And there's this whole mechanism where they have to right. loan him up for every game. They can yeah. only do it for a certain number of games. Like he's yeah. limited to the number of times they can do that. If they sign him to a club contract and it all, it, it can be the same fucking contract and can be yeah. one plus two option years. Yep. And they can do the exact same thing. And they didn't because they're, I, I don't know. I'm just, I, there's no impact to the salary cap. He sits on a roster spot down in like the 2930 range. There there's literally no negative to doing this other than you want to save those for I don't know who. There's nobody else they're signing from the academy. No, doesn't seem to be. He's literally the only player that they that they that has any potential to be signed from the academy this year. Yep. And and frankly at his age, uh, you know, if he's, he's 18, gonna, if he's, it's if, not like he's fucking he's good, 12. Enough, he's good enough. Right. That's the thing. Like, like that's the, that's the age when you we signed not. Lucio when he was 15 yep. years old. Yep. And we him played a, him when he was 16. Give so him a first, we... give him a first, uh, team contract and, and let him, let him play, you know, let him play some open, open cup games. Who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe he would be great at like right wing, you know, maybe we just, Try him we can, whoever we gets can hurt, him back we can, to the twos all year. We do it to fucking Robbie Volader. Like you telling me we can't do it with this kid. Like he can play with the twos all year, except when, you know, Hey, let's bring him in for a game or two and see if he's capable. Yeah. I, I mean, I just don't understand. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm getting really tired of the like unwillingness to let young kids figure shit out. Mm-hmm. They have to play at this level to understand it. And maybe Vermees is like, he hasn't played enough at the twos level to be ready to play at this level. I don't know. Maybe he's been in practices and he doesn't, I don't know, but I'm just, I'm just so tired of watching every other team of consequence in the league, like have young players play well for them. And we never have it. Yeah. He seems, well, I mean, yeah, I, you're, I mean, you're, we turned we turned the Zoran Basang conversation into yeah. why the fuck can't Natty Clark be in this position? But it's 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 legitimate. Like we went and signed a guy to fill a position that we do have an academy player for. Yeah, I 
you got me, man. That's supposed to be the whole point of the academy, right? That's the, that that's supposed to be the whole point of vertical integration and and running the same system, the four three three positional play and all that stuff. You're integrating that at age twelve, and so that 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 by the time these kids matriculate up to 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 being eighteen years old, uh, those who who can are just plug and play, plug and play, and you can just you know pump kids through the system. That's the idea. That has not at, at all even close come to fruition and and the, and the players that are succeeding are succeeding at at, at positions that they didn't play uh, as youth and that's Busio at you know defensive midfielder when when that's when he had his break big breakthrough he didn't play that with the with by the way Busio's Busio's one of the best central midfielders in Serie B this season mm-hmm. and he's playing as an 8 mm-hmm. so just i mean and don't get me wrong like he has had to grow a lot to get yeah. himself to that place. Yeah. But he also had to play a lot of fucking minutes to get right. there. You know what I mean? Like, um, let, well, let's, but, we're, but, we're gonna, but my point but, is he, he broke through, you know, he broke through because of an injury to, to Ilya Sanchez, right? He didn't break through because, it was, well, because it he was, was, at first it was because Ilya couldn't get back from Barcelona during COVID. Oh, right, right, right. And he, okay. and he played, he played at the six, a lot during MLS's back. And then right after that, he played a lot at the six and we saw that from him and then he played more. And then we had the center back issues and we moved Elie to play center back and Busio played at the six because we knew that that was something he could do. But this Um, isn't, but this isn't, but this isn't like, like I I've identified this kid who could be a, 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 an MLS, you know, uh, high quality uh, number six. This is like, I break glass in case of emergency. I need this somebody to play the six. I'll put him there just like it was break glass in case of emergency and put Jake Davis at right back. Right. It's, it's just, it's all happenstance. None of it is, none of it shows any sort of like, you know, planning and forethought and, 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 you know, ability to evaluate you know even where players should be on the field much less whether they're talented or not it's uh, frustrating and really annoying i have nothing to add (laughs) to that i wish i could disagree or provide contextual like rebuttal to this but i really can't (laughs) yeah so we're gonna move on to a team that is um that in the middle of their fucking midfield has a Academy player who fucking played great all through the playoffs and Aiden yep. Morris as the Columbus crew. Uh, and he MLS did Cup so final. when he was 19 also like, yeah, he, what, he mean... tore, he, he tore his ACL in the MLS cup final yep. that they won in the COVID year in 2020. He, he had his ACL torn as he was, I think he was 18 mm-hmm. playing in that game and playing very he well was. and got cleaned out and tore his ACL and lost the whole season. And he's come back and he looks even better, man. He yep. looks, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I watch this guy play. He is exactly the type of two way midfielder that the, that the U S men's national team needs. Like um, he uses, he's grown into his body significantly and he uses his body really well, but also releases passes exceptionally well. Like I'm going to be honest with you. I like his play a lot more than Luca Della Torre. Um, and I, I think that he's he's going to be a key player for this team in 2026. I, I really believe that he is going to be a key player for the U.S. Men's National Team. I don't think he's going to be with the crew for long. Um, he he plays now. Granted, he benefits from playing right next to Darlington Nagby, yeah, yeah. who we know how great he is. Yep. But I think playing against the playing next to the 21 year old version of him and Yunus Musa will fit like a glove. And I think that they will be very effective together and it eliminates so much of the pressure of having Tyler Adams on the field, yep. which is a real big problem for yep. the U S right now. Yep. yep. And, um, 
I think in the more double pivoty sort of style that they're playing right now, him next to Musa with yep. a Reyna or McKinney or whoever in front of him, I think is a is a is a great op- option for this team. So I'll be interested. I, I expect that he'll make it into Camp Cupcake in January, and they'll take a really good look at him then. The thing is, they've got to get him cap tied because he's also Canadian. So they've got to get that dude like for sure because I mean, we do not need to lose Aiden Morris to Canada. I. You know what? Uh, if there's a if there's one country that has a bigger dumpster fire for a, a soccer federation, yeah. then I mean, Canada, we're benefiting from I mean, that significantly me break, right now. Right? I mean, they are. You, if you think FMF is fucked up, Jesus Christ! Let me let me. Can I raise you, Canada? Yeah. Oh my God! Cool. Like, I, it's it's wild to me because I I guess this is pretty common across federations, and I and U.S. soccer is not a government agency, right? They're not right. like run by the federal government. I guess I always sort of just assumed that these federations were at least sort of aligned to government funding and whatnot, but they're not. They are absolutely their own separate sort of, they operate as nonprofits. I mean, I don't know how they operate in other countries, but in the United States, they operate as a nonprofit, but they're still a institution completely separate from the government or any sort of governmental control. And you're seeing that in Canada where all of their funding comes from people not from the government and uh yeah it's it's a (laughs) (laughs) yeah aiden morris ain't going to canada anytime soon i I agree with that part of it but i also would like to get him cap tied in an important game so but you know i mean maybe he's uh maybe he's trying to bet in with a a european team during that period too so he should he should I, i think that it's a i think that he's a 21 year old um like very positive central midfielder that should look to play in a place that like Busio had, like, I don't know that I really agree with the, the whole trajectory of Busio's career, but it's working out now. And he's still just 21. Like, I think yeah. that's something we all should remember. We all think of Busio as like old now because he was with the club for so long. He's still 21. He's the same age as Jake Davis. And so I think we all need to like, remember that, but it, it, I don't know that I agree with the way he that that I understand why Sporting made the deal. I understand why Venezia went for him. I don't know that it was the best move for him, but he's figuring it out and he's be, like I said become one of the best midfielders in Serie B. And Venezia is looking really positive right now for getting promotion. So yeah. I think that um him being a big part of that should they get promoted will actually get him on the eyes of other Serie A teams. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's going to become Sandro Tonali, but I do believe that it's been helpful to his own development. Okay. Tactical corner this week or um, <laughs> uh, report card corner as we're going to call it. <laughs> it's, it's that time of the year. Uh, it was a, it was reflexive from me. You know, I was just like, let's, uh, Let's give some grades. The teacher, we're, we're, the teacher really on the podcast. That. Yeah. The teacher on the podcast is going to hand out some grades. Yeah. He's like, it's, it's time to give out grades. It's, it is end of semester, right? You're right. kind of like that, looking right. at it. That's right. Yeah. And it's like, Hey, um, you suck at science. F. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's some of that going on for you right now, for sure. But um, we want to do a little, we're going to do a little bit of an end of season report card. We're not going to do it for every player. I don't think it's, I, I think, we, you know, 
did a two hour podcast last week talking about roster mechanisms. And I, I think that's probably enough of us talking for two hours about inane topics. So I think we can just, you know, focus on some specific players to us that we, we felt like deserve to be highlighted for one reason or another, maybe positive, maybe negative, but we're going to highlight them. So we're going to go through the, the, the lines of the, uh, you know, the, the four lines of the club, you know, goalkeeper, defense, midfield, forward. And then we'll also talk front office, technical staff, et cetera, you know, how they did. Maybe we'll have some thoughts about that. Although I feel like we've both already expounded on some of those feelings already. <laughs> um, let's start with the goalkeepers. There's only really two to talk about. So that makes it pretty simple when we talk about the goalkeeper line because Kendall McIntosh has his contract has not been renewed. I'm sure that they'll sign some version of a third goalkeeper at some point, but I don't know how, how important it's going to be. Um, I feel like this is a topic you and I discussed enough over the last month or two, but it, it's mainly on polls can, right? Yep. Um, yep. If we're giving out grades, Timmy post injury return, a plus was great. He looked like himself again. It makes me think he was a lot more hurt last year than we realized because he, he seemed off. And he was not off the last five months of the season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the interesting thing is um, he, he played very, very well. Um, and uh, he, he definitely, you know, passed the eye test, checked those boxes, what, however you want to uh, phrase it. Um, Are you about to do the well, but I am, on, on Timmy I, am. I am, oh my I am, I know oh my I, I feel terrible, but uh, you know, when you spend, uh, when you spend time farting around on, uh, on stats websites, you learn all kinds of uh, uh, fun and crazy things. Um, okay. So, so the, the thing about him is that, you know, he missed, um, he missed a significant amount of time sort of in the middle of the season. Um, and that app that actually sort of coincided with, uh, that the time period that sporting, uh, Kansas city started, you know, actually, um, winning games and, and, and earning points. Um, and so the, 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 I guess my, 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 my big takeaway from that is I was looking, you know, for some kind of bump, um, in the team's performance when he returned, um, um, uh, you know, especially in their goals against and goals against per game. And, and that, that wasn't really manifested. If anything, it went down just slightly, not enough to be like, you know, uh, indicative of anything, but, um, I don't know. I just, I just thought that was a really interesting, um, you know, thing to look at is, is just looking at how the team performed, you know, um, on a timeline when he was here, when he was away and when he was back again. And, and it was not really what I expected. Um, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to believe you that perhaps the run, in fact, it's it's accurate. Like you can see, the like the run of positive results that happened for Sporting that started in May happened with Kendall McIntosh and goal all the way up until like mid July, right? That mm -hmm. that that yep. was when Timmy was hurt and McIntosh played. Yeah, but we also had a lot of th so I want to be clear about this from a win loss perspective over that period. They had one, two, three, four, five wins, one, two, three, four, five draws 
and one, two, three, four. So they were five, five, and four over that period when Kato Bakatash was in goal. Yep. Okay. That, that's 500. They were a 500 team. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> when Kato was in goal. <laughs> I was just looking at goalkeeper stats. I wasn't even looking at, uh, I wasn't even looking at. Well, you, you were know, the one talking, you were the one talking losses. about goals allowed and all this other stuff. Right, goals right. allowed. And, and I mean, it goes into wins and losses, doesn't it? Like it does. It does. You're right. When, I'm not. Look, I, I'm just saying. I noticed something interesting. That's all. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it means. Um, I, I look at. I like to look at. Personally, I like to look at advanced goalkeeping stats, which is yeah. who's making sh- who's saving shots best yep. on the team by a wide margin. It is Tim Melia. Yeah, it is. I think that is. <laughs> I, I, personally, I believe that is the. Number one most important thing that a goalkeeper does. Save shots. Is it not? It is. You got it, man. Okay. So who is the best at stopping shots on this team? That is would it, be is it even is it is it even like there's no there's no suggestion of anyone else other than Tim Elia. He no. is he he is by far the best on this team historically. He is by far the best on this team this season. Uh, John Polskamp is way better than Kendall McIntosh is at it, yeah. but which is, I think why Kendall McIntosh is even while he had, he did, he was the goalkeeper when the positive runner results started. He is not from an underlying numbers perspective, a good goalkeeper. I just right. don't know what, I don't know the right. way to say it. So, I mean, I think I think I, the, I, understand, I, think I the, understand the well, but perspective. My yeah. my 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 conversation with this when it comes to Amelia and Pulse Camp is, I believe that, you know, from a contract perspective, Amelia was staying. They signed him to a two year deal. He earned the right to be the starting goalkeeper next year. I believe that John Pulse Camp needs to play more, and he needs to play more with the first team, not the twos. Him right. playing with the twos is not helping his development in any way, shape, or form. He needs to play more with the first team, and hopefully it's not just cup matches. I want yeah. him to see and, – and you know what? Timilia is going to be – he's 37 years old. He's gone through significant injury issues the last two seasons, as one does when they get to the other side of 35. And I think there's going to be opportunities for Pulse Cam to show out. And I also would state that Pulse Camp's negative scoring results were when Robbie Volader and Robert Castellanos were playing center back. So, yeah. like, there's and, like I, I just I get a little bit weird about doing the goals against and shutout stuff for yeah. for goalkeepers because I just I think that has a lot more to do with your defense yeah. than it does with your with the goalkeeper. It's an excellent point. And so I think that um, Melia got to play behind a very stable defensive line. When he came back, their defensive line was figured out. Yep. And it was the guys that we saw for the last three months of the year that were very solid. Yep. And it was the same back four every single time. Uh, Pulse Camp did not benefit from that. Yeah. And so true. I think that there is something to be said for the fact that if Pulse Camp is behind that back line and gets to see the game in that way, he's a different player. 
along the lines of Roman Celentano in uh, Cincinnati or Patrick Schulte in Columbus, where you have a stable, like good defensive line for several months. And all of a sudden you look like a really good goalkeeper because you have that rapport. Right. And, and Polskamp did not gain that. So I, I'm, there's a lot of caveats and I'm not saying that Melia doesn't deserve to be the starter on day one. He does. Tim Melia is a starter on day one. Yep. 100%. Yep. But John Polskamp does not get like an F on this season in right. any way, shape or form. I think the, I think the best way of putting it is, you know, between these, the three keepers, um, you know, McIntosh doesn't make saves that he should. Uh, Polskamp only makes the saves he should. He doesn't make saves that he shouldn't be making. I would, I would, and, mm, and Tim, I would, I would, I would buck against that on the eye test, but maybe perhaps not on the statistical test. Statistical so. test is what I'm, yeah, that's a, And then Emilia saves more than he statistically should. Um, which is what, you know, high quality goalkeepers are going to do. And he's done since 2015. Yeah. Yeah. He's I, the only thing I will say about Melia is now it wasn't the, the full season sample size like he's had. And in the last two years, he hasn't the full season sample size. His um, saves versus post shot XG is not quite as good this year as it has been in previous years. He's usually around the 0.3 to 0.4 per game. Um, uh, in his plus or minus a post shot XG versus goal scored, he was like 0.22 this year. So it is not, it's not bad, yeah. but it is declined a little bit. Okay. Let's talk about the back line defense. You go first. You wanted to talk about Danny Rosero. So what do you like about Danny? Yeah. So I, I think that, uh, uh, Rosero brings uh, something that uh, you and I had had sort of been pining for for a while, or at least I know I, I won't speak for you, but but myself, like, you know, um, especially since, uh, you know, since Ike Opara left, uh, the team has really lacked, you know, a, a, an athletic physical presence uh, on the back line. And and given the, uh, um, you know, the lack of athleticism, maybe from uh, from Fontas. Uh, I think it was really important that the team sign uh, a player who who could bring uh, you know maybe compensate for some of the areas where where Fontas um, um, you know wasn't strong in, and I think they did a pretty good job of doing that. I mean, I think Rosero sort of grew into his role as the season uh, um, progressed, and uh, I think that he did develop a really good uh, working rapport with uh, with Fontas um, and and you know, we've spoken about how instrumental the back line was in the, in the team's push to the playoffs and, and how well they played, uh, as a unit, um, that last, you know, handful of games. And, and, you know, for Rosero, he, um, he also brings something that, that, uh, I think is really, uh, important to maybe under the radar a little bit is is yes his 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 aerial presence and area his ability to win aerial du- duels is certainly uh, super important defensively and and we the, the team had to rely on that um, multiple times at the end of the season uh, but also uh, he was at least a scoring threat um, uh, on attacking set pieces uh, which is something that. Uh, that the team has not had uh, from the center back position, 
in a long time uh, since since Psycho Para. I mean, really. but 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 pre you know concussion and serious injury, Psycho Para. Yeah, twenty eighteen. That point, he didn't. Yeah. yeah, after that point, he didn't really um, he didn't really do that job anymore. And and so uh, Rosero brings um, and that element to um, to the team, and and he is he's he's big, he's strong, he's physical, he spots the ball really well. Uh, I think that he um, he's one of those players that if you uh if you tell him to go get the ball just put the ball in a place where he can get it i think he could i think he can um he can out muscle and out jump and outsmart uh, a lot of different um 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 uh, players in that in that attacking third and so um just in terms of his 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 presence on attacking set pieces i think is um is is a really big deal and i would hope that that they improve upon uh his numbers in that respect um in this coming year because i think that that he, you know he was really good but i think that um i think that if they can and i've been asking <laughs> i've been asking asking for this for like years but if they could get their stuff together um uh, in their attacking set pieces um i think that that he has the potential to um to to be a really powerful weapon uh and and this team needs that right this team needs to be dangerous uh on on corner kicks specifically because uh because it's a team that really frankly can earn a corner kick almost every time they 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 have the ball and so they need somebody who can thump them in hit the nail on the fucking head you just like totally like stole my what i was going to follow you up with which is this team is so good at getting to the end line and and turning a uh, either a cutback to the top of the box or a cross in that gets kicked out for a corner. They earn double digit corners a game every fucking game. Sometimes yep. 14, 15 of them. They're really good at earning corner kicks. They yep. have to start utilizing that as a as a positive for them. And I, you know, we've banged this drum for two fucking years, so I'm not going to keep doing it anymore, but it is, I agree with you. Nice to have a guy who is aerially dominant, who knows how to get on the end of a ball, who is good at heading that ball and putting it on frame. So yes, I wholeheartedly agree. The big thing with Rosero that I would say is like, he was a little bit <laughs> chaotic. chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> Up until, but that, that, that's calmed yeah. down. Like he, it, he it chilled really out, has. he it chilled really out has. in the back of the season. Um, I'm not saying that he didn't get into some tackles. I'm like, what the hell? But he stopped being quite Christian Romero-y in the, yeah. the back half of the season. And I think that that's good. And um, this team is so much better when he's on the field. Yep. And you're exactly right. Like the the consistency of the back four, as I mentioned earlier, was a huge part in what caused this team to become a lot better. Um, they don't defend against the ball that well, even though they did versus st louis and they tried to against houston which is a stupid idea as we've already gone over but they did um they they defend by keeping the ball away from their back line but also when their back line has to defend they need to be uh, they need to be in concert with each other yeah as far as what each player is doing and i felt like it was a little bit haphazard at the beginning of the season which is to be expected you've got new players trying to figure different things out and and can candidly the back line was so bad in April when and, and things were going so bad in April when Danny Rosero finally arrived. They just threw him in there and he just did shit yeah. for like three or four games. Like, I, I think we I, I think everyone forgets that. Like he showed up in the middle of these doldrums of scoring three goals in 10 games. And it was so incumbent upon the defense to get shutouts to have any chance of making getting points that he 
just win it. He, they just, and they had to get him in the game. Like there was like, we had to have this guy. And so they just threw him in and he just sort of did shit. And it wasn't really perfect all the time. And it took until the back half of the season for him to have the rapport with Fantas, understand the type of things that Fantas wants to do, understand the type of things that he needs to do, understand how they can work together, understand how their rotational thing works in possession versus their back three, sort of which rotates based on which fullback is high and what his responsibilities are in any of those circumstances. And the fact that he has a left center back that likes to range forward when possible because he does have passing capabilities allow him when he gets into the attacking half he can deliver a ball and like what his responsibilities are and what the other fullback like there's a lot of complexity to that that takes time to get together but once when they play together as that back four so i'm talking davis rosero fantas and denbe for three months you saw how they could start to become a lot better at controlling games. And while they did give up games still sometimes because the game model is just that it's going to, it's going to give up chances in games sometimes Uh, for the most part, he was very solid and he didn't make some of the concerning mistakes that we became familiar with up until I would say like up until leagues cup. Yeah, and I think he's he's an underrated passer. I, he doesn't do anything fancy, and he's not the greatest. Pr- pr- he, he, pr- try, he tries too hard passer. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he tra- he he does some fancy stuff for the sake of just being fancy sometimes. And and like you said, that that sort of died down as the as the season went on. Um, but he's a, he's a pretty secure passer. Uh, he has a high completion percentage, and that's you know that's I think mostly gay model type stuff. But but um, but. I think that his that the thing you highlighted uh, the the rapport with um, that he developed with Fontas as the season um, um, progressed I think is really key uh, because that's you know we've seen that the importance of that time and time again you know in the center back position and and so that's something to look forward to next year right is is how um, you know because next year is the last year on Fontas's contract and and so it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the team addresses that if they try and 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 phase in. Uh, Volator some more, or if they try and and sign somebody else and 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 play them, and and so um, you know that's you know just thinking thinking ahead into the longer term, um, um, y- y- you know you you want to see uh, any any change that they make um, that you want to see Rosero have the opportunity to develop a rapport uh, with that player as well, and so I think that's something that that uh, we can keep an eye on. Miles Robinson, uh, by the way, apparently visiting FC Cincinnati. So, oh great! If you had your hopes set on that one, <laughs> no, I did not actually. But Chuck, Chuck, Chucky Lozano is a uh, uh, right winger. Just want to point that out. So, Chucky Lozano. Oh my God! I dude, I don't know about that. I don't. I, it's it's just a name, man. I don't know about it either. I right. have a who, lot. Who, who is who is who is, who is your who is mine? Uh, yeah. Jake Davis, obviously. Jake Davis, okay. obviously the guy I wanted to highlight. Um, okay, so first off, we got to give Rosero a grade. Rosero a grade for the year. I'm going to give him about a B plus. Yeah, I think that's a fair grade. Yep. Okay, all right. B that's plus what I would fair. give him. Okay, Jake Davis. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, he is the you know highlight of the year as far as a homegrown playing 2,000-plus minutes, 26 straight starts, I think, he had. Um <laughs> Be, just locked down. Just, just took the right back spot. This is mine. This is what I yep. do now. Uh, I think that uh, he's got some work to do, obviously. 
but he focused on the requirements of the job first and then started adding the um you know pluses that he can provide to the position over time i think that because of the left-handedness of the club it allowed him to create that growth i think that's part of the reason why natty clark is not the backup that we were asking for earlier because the left back is so important to the progression of the ball for this club that they need someone who is you know maybe a little bit more um experienced at that role but um i think that davis uh, for me obviously he was just the most um eye-opening member of the defensive line this year um for him to become the player that he's become and i'm very excited to see how his game evolves next year and he's going to be the the starting right back and i'm also interested to see how that works with pierre mm-hmm. because we hope you know we expect to have Caden pierre back he's going to be the he's going to be the quote-unquote backup but also much more natural right back has been yeah. playing right back for is a whole academy life, right? Like, um, and KP's from Michigan as well, isn't he? So he's from the same area as Jake. So it's going to be interesting to see how all that works. Um, But I just, I've been, I was so um, warmed by just watching him develop throughout the year and watching a young player be put in a position and take it and do something with it and like make it his own. And basically, and this is a, fucking terrible thing for me to say but basically retire Graham Zuzzi that's basically what he did didn't he I mean yeah he pretty much did he made it he made it a lot uh, easier for the team and and probably the the, the fan base to move on uh, from from Graham Zuzzi uh, it's it's nice to have a homegrown young player uh, from the area sort of ready to step into that role it makes it maybe a little bit more palatable so 100%. So, I mean, I, that's the one I wanted to highlight. I mean, if I'm giving Jake Davis a grade, it's an A. It's an A, 100%. Yeah. Like, I think 21-year-old 20, central midfielder takes on starting right back in MLS and becomes one of the five best right backs in the league. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. It's an A. The, the thing I like about him is that um, he was able to win the job while uh, playing in a style that's that's not the style that the rest of the team has been sort of developed to play. I mean, the Sporting Kansas City is a, is a – they can be a decent defensive team, but they don't – they they – they win the ball by by counter pressing and by intercepting the ball. Um, and they, as a team, like they have a, they're, they're not, they're not strong they're not, tacklers. They're right? not, they don't, they don't, they're not Nashville SC. Okay. They don't tackle people. And no. Jake Davis tackles people and he tackles people all the time. And, um, and he's he just has some like of the that. best tackling numbers in the league. He does. Like he does. He, he really, he's, he's, he's great at winning tackles. And he it, is. And, it, and, 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 Whenever he, he complained played, about about this team not having bite, not winning yeah, tackles, not being in that kind of stuff, and yep. and and Jake is not that. He's not that at all. Whenever he played against a uh, you know a high quality winger, he stepped up, and he's a pest to play against. And and you know those you know 
goal scoring diva wingers uh they don't want to play against fullbacks who are nasty like that they want to play against fullbacks who they can smoke and and take on uh and dribble by and make look silly and and they don't want to they don't want to take on little pitbull out on the out on the on the on the wing you know making your life difficult and he does that for everybody and doesn't matter how fast they are doesn't matter how famous they are how much money they make um he goes out there and he sticks it to them and uh you got to love that yeah he struggled with nelson quinones against houston he really did yeah but that I, was I more, that, uh, that was the first ahead. that was the first time we've seen yeah. him struggle yeah. That way. yeah and that was i think less to do with the player and maybe more to do with the uh circumstance but I he also i mean given given the fact that he was a midfield player he, the you know when when he was asked to drop back and play um as that sort of third center back he did that okay as well so i think that that you know he did a really good job he also has a, a lot of places where he can improve and so um he is he, his attacking numbers uh have they can improve a lot <laughs> let's just put it that way like they can he has, he has a lot of room to improve but, improve but in they, that respect but they improved you know. they improved significantly throughout the season they did they and did you would expect him to continue to improve as the more he plays a position right yep. and i think that that that's i mean of course it, there, there's going to be gaps um but he does the important stuff well yeah and he's adding the um additive stuff and he allows i mean i think this is important too uh, but having somebody like that at that position allows whoever's playing right wing whether it's uh uh, whether it's um, um, Johnny Russell or somebody else, and whoever's playing that right uh, midfield spot, uh, if it's Voltaire or or anybody else, it 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 gives them a backstop, right? It gives them a little bit of freedom, a little bit uh, more license to take chances and, and and be creative because you know you have somebody um, covering your back. One hundred percent. Okay, real quick, Andrea Fontas. I, I feel like Fonti had a much better year than I expected. I'm going to put it that way. I had low expectations um, coming into this season. Um, he was very, very good the last three months of the year. Um, he looked like the defensive player that we're used to seeing. But I, I think, as we noted earlier, and we're just going to make this real quick, a lot of it had to do with Danny Rosero. Logan and Logan and Demania. Yeah, exactly. And we we've said all this before, so I'm not going to belabor it and spend 20 minutes talking about it. But Fonti, in the right circumstance, is a very valuable center back, but he has to be in the right circumstance. Yeah. If if you allow him to be in a bad circumstance, things are going to get really bad for you. He's not a game-saving center back in any way, no. shape, or form. But when he is surrounded by people who help keep the game in front of him, he's fucking really valuable. Really yep. valuable. Like, really yep. good. Um, we just got to keep the game in front of him. So he's got to have a left back and a, and, a, and a center back partner and a defensive midfielder that allow the game to stay in front of him. And if he is, he's, he's in good shape. And so I'm glad that we at least have Rosero and Radia will be interesting, interesting to see how Leibold sort of develops that next year. But uh, I have positive hopes. Let me put it that way. Cautious optimism <laughs> for Fonte next year. I do think that they need to consider what life after Fonte looks like as, as you discussed. That's certainly yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, let's move to the midfield. Eric Tommy. Take the take the take the uh stand, sir. So so my take on Eric Tommy, he like he one of the reasons I I wanted to take a closer look at him is because he's a very um kind of enigmatic player to me. Uh, uh, obviously he's good and and his uh, he has a lot of really um like eye popping underlying numbers, um, but um. I don't. I don't know that he. There's, is. An, there's an eye test versus a stat thing with <laughs> right, Tommy right. that is uh-huh. really struggling. Yeah. We'll see, like the opposite. It's, it's the opposite group. of the Polito effect, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and and so um, so yeah. So the 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 thing I I think he's good. I don't know that he's the midfielder that um uh, that that the team needs given the the way that the team plays. But um but he's 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 on the team, right? And uh and he's going to have to find a way to, to make it work. And the team's going to have to find a way to make it work. Um, and so like the things that he does really well, like he is a, just a super progressive player. Right. Um, and he's not the only one on the team, but he is, he, he will carry he's the very, ball. He's a very he will, direct player. He's very direct. And, and he, he'll progress the ball for, through the midfield um, um, at a, um, at an, at really an elite level, right? Like whether it's uh, mostly it's carrying, but uh, he'll, he, he can, he's, he rates highly with the uh, uh, progressive passes uh, received. Also, he gets a lot of uh, touches in, um, in, in the attacking third and in the penalty area. Um, I, I would, I think he needs to, you know, score more goals from that um, uh, as much as he's touching it. He does. He, he, he starts to, he plenty needs, of shots. He, I was going to say he needs to start scoring a uh, 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 amount of goals that is uh, uh, commensurate with the amount of shots he takes. Cause he is, uh, he is like 99th percentile in the amount of shots he takes. So, um, so it would be, it would be better if we could get maybe some of those going in. And I think that, that I think that, uh, that, uh, um, he was a little bit, um, um, you know, too eager to shoot, uh, especially in the first part of the season. And, um, and that was, uh, in no small part, um, due to the fact that, uh, the other, uh, designated players were, uh, were out. And he, I think he felt he had to shoulder, uh, too much of that load. And, uh, and it was obvious. And I think that, um, as he sort of, you know, um, as he sort of like maybe fell back into the fourth midfielder role, I think that that he loosened up a little bit and and um, and started to play uh, much better. Uh, but the problem is, is that he's going to be, you know, uh, we have to we have to assume right uh, until he's gonna be, he's otherwise. Gonna the, he's going to be he's, the left. Right, ten. he's going to be the he's going to be there. He's going to be there, and so and so that puts a lot of uh, that's going to put a lot of pressure on him uh, to perform as a ten, and that means uh, that means not just you know, creating shots, that means creating goals. And, and, uh, and that means, you know, both scoring and assisting. And I think that he, um, I think that he, you know, he needs to improve on the, his, his, uh, his passing in the final third. Um, and, um, and, and, and really work on developing that rapport, uh, especially with, with Daniel Shallowy and Alan Polito. Um, uh, if, if the team's going to be successful next year, if, if the team doesn't go out and sign another DP, you know, attacking midfielder, then he's going to, he has to have a, uh, an, a very good year next year. Um, I agree with all those things. I think that it's easy to forget some of the contributions that he had, because a lot of them happened in the beginning of the season when the team sucked ass. Yeah. Like, and so uh, the only thing I will say is that he had 10 goal contributions this year, Mm -hmm. which is the fourth best on the team. Yep. 
Um, he did it in 2,500 minutes. Uh, he, and, and that's in league play. I think if you look at, um, all competitions, it's something, I think it's higher than that. So mm-hmm. I think it's like 13 or something like that goal contributions in all competitions. So I just want to make sure that we're not, um, diminishing the, the value that he had. Right. I think because he is such a different type of midfielder than we normally are used to um, in that position. So when we talk about that position, that that attacking midfield position on the left side, he is is historically, if you think of like the Benny Failhoppers and the Gatti Kindas and the other players that have played in that role, it's much more of a creative position. Eric is not a creative player in that yep. way. He is more of a creating space player. And so he is, like you said, he is progressively carrying the ball, trying to push the ball forward, draw people to him. And then, you know, he, there's space around him as a result of that. He's not a, um, hitting a ball, hitting a line splitting pass guy. That's not his thing. It's more of like driving the ball forward, creating chaos for the defensive line, and then either finding space to take a shot or, finding a pass an easy pass to someone in an open space yeah and i think that that's the that's the thing about him that makes him a bit of an anachronism for a, a lot of folks and just sort of an enigma is that he is like he's not a creative player but he does successfully create goals and i think that it, but it is at more of an aggregate level mm-hmm. yeah than it is as like a vastly overperforming xg or xa level Right. Yeah. And um, so it, it does become sort of like a, a difficult thing to measure. But when you look at his underlying numbers, he, yeah, looks, he looks like one of the best midfielders. They're in good. League. But 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 if you look at uh, if you compare them with Gotti Kinda's numbers on a per 90 basis, uh, Kinda's, you know, much better. In I don't know about much better. Sort of... he, is, he is. He is. He is. He is, he's, he is significantly better. In the passing side of things, he's way in his, better. In his, goal create, in his goal creating actions, he is significantly better. That's true. Uh, that's for true. ninety, so yeah. um, and 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 that's that's you know that's going to be Tommy's job if uh, if we don't sign another. Um, uh, I find it impossible to believe that we're not going to sign some sort of midfielder. I just I don't see I, I think be careful that, be careful what you say man I mean Vermes okay, has a way but, of uh, of surprising but, us but, and, but but I'm but I'm saying that if we're having this conversation at the end of next year and I, I'm not saying in the winter I'm saying at some point if we're having this conversation next year and Eric Tommy is the starting eight ten guy you can absolutely roast me please okay. like write it down you can absolutely All roast right. me because I would be. Listen, we we all have our own um, qualms with the technical staff and their decision making, and we're we're but we're also not privy to a lot of the information they have and who the uh-huh. who the players they've scouted and who's available uh-huh. to sign and all the kinds of things. So there there are dependencies related to all this stuff. Uh huh. I promise you, I promise you, there is no fucking way that Peter Vermees does not recognize that Gotti Kendo was a much better chance creator than Eric Tommy. I promise sure, you, there's no sure. fucking way that he doesn't believe he, that. He might recognize that, and he might have uh, folks, you know, a, a list of folks already, uh, um, um, you know, made out so to, so that he can contact them and try to get them in for the job. And and they might, you know, you know, 
we've heard it before, right? You're punching above your weight and, you know, you're, you're trying to make things happen and we're, weren't able to put all the pieces together, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, we wait and see, I guess. We live in the show me state, Drew. Come on. Okay. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but I think they thought they were going to re-sign Gotti Kenda up until about a month and a half ago. Yeah, well. Well, they didn't plan on a fucking war in Gaza, okay? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I mean, like, that's not something that they can prepare for, realistically, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so, like, I think that, realistically, they thought that Gotti Kendo was going to stay with this club, and they were going to do some other thing. They th- their, their primary plan was that, and I think it was a good primary plan, sure. right? that plan has been subverted. So they're going to have to make adjustments. And I don't know that it's realistic to expect in the next couple months that they're going to make some crazy signing. That's going to deal with this. Like, that's my point. I do believe, I hope so. I do believe that it is likely that by the summer they will have figured that out and made it. But the other thing that I will say I mean, is that, I mean, it's wild that, you know, Columbus sold Lucas Zellerayan and then, and then turned around and bought, uh, Diego Rossi, Rossi, yeah. and then won MLS cup. But we have to like sit on our hands and wait for not, like two not, or three windows for them. To I, get their shit I'm together. not, I'm not debating any of those things. I'm completely on board with you with all that shit, but also the summer window is a much easier place to make moves than it is the winter. Yeah. So like when you decide to sign some, money to Saudi Arabia for all this fucking money and now or Qatar or wherever the fuck he went and then you and then you get all this money and you're like and then you sign a known commodity in MLS like Diego Rossi was a fucking baller for LAFC and he was in Turkey and you could easily buy him away from a Turkish club so like uh, timing and opportunity uh-huh. are part of how these things work that's all 100%, I'm saying 100%. Okay. all right so I'm not I'm not trying to get into the anyway Eric Tommy <laughs> I, I think let, let's put it this way. They need another midfielder. And we're going to get to that when we get to the last guy on this one. Nemanja Radia is the guy I wanted to hire. Eric Tommy, B plus, A minus. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I would go more like B minus. I mean, he's the he's the fourth best guy in the club with gold contributions. He, he's also the fourth midfielder. Or he was at the end of the season. I mean, at. the end of the season he was. Yeah, B minus. Okay, got it. Got supplanted. Okay. Nemanja Radia. Right in pen starter as long as he is healthy. Yeah. Um, period. I, I mean, there's not much to say about it other than that. Um, he his he he's the opposite of Eric Tommy, where his um, FB ref uh, visual chart looks a little bit sort of yeah compared to what his what the eye test tells you. The one thing I will say is that he is on FB ref compared against all midfielders, not defensive midfielders, which does have some impact on how that flowchart looks. Um, I I think that he is the exact type of midfielder that Peter Vermees wants and works in this system. You've heard me gush about this guy too many times, so I'm not going to spend too much time doing it on this podcast, but I love the way that he uses his body to control the ball. He is exceptionally good. The things that don't show up on a stat sheet, uh, don't don't show up on underlying numbers, is his ability to eliminate a player on the half turn. He's extremely good at it. Um, and his ability to um, stop a counterattack or an attack via interception. He's just really, really good at just being in the right place. 
Um, his passing is his passing improved significantly over the year. I think we saw towards the second latter half of the year, his progressive passing started to improve quite a bit. Um, he's at the 62 percentile of progressive passes for all midfielders. And he's a six. I promise you, if you put that against defensive midfielders, it's like the 98th percentile. Yeah. If you look at his, his long ball percentage, uh, completion, it's, uh, one of the best in the entire league. And He's a defensive midfielder. Yep. Yeah. He's his. <laughs> I was not sure of his passing quality at the beginning of the year because we didn't see it as much. And he was sort of in and out of the lineup a lot. We never got to, he never really got to settle. Once he played a lot and then you started to see him like starting to ping balls, you're like, oh, okay. This is, yeah. this is why we have this guy. So I am, um, I don't, I, he didn't play enough, in my opinion, to get an A. So I'm going to give him about a B on the yeah, season. I think that's fair. But I think as a signing, he's an A, assuming he can stay healthy. He's, yeah, I'll, he, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. He is 100% the defensive <laughs> midfielder we needed. He yeah. he is like all of the things Elia does did plus the size necessary to control the ball. Yep. Um, real quick, Felipe Hernandez. We need to see something out of Felipe next year, don't we? Like, I mean, it like would be nice if he go. would even just play like, well, just get well that's what, I, mean, I mean, if we don't sign a fucking midfielder in the offseason, he's going to have to play, isn't he? Uh, I mean, Raj one would is assume. gone. Raj is gone. Um, Felipe, I mean, what are you doing to the freaking? Oh, you're you're plugging in some stuff. I'm plugging in some flow charts. It's OK. Oh, Radia versus Nagby. Interesting. <laughs> These are interesting. Are they both against midfielders? Okay, sorry, guys. Cody just threw things in the uh, notes document uh, while we're live podcasting to compare um, Darlington Nagby and Amani Radia. They're not that different. I mean, they're different. They're different. They do things differently, but they're not that far apart as far as quality, which is interesting. Um. Anyway, Felipe Hernandez. Sorry, didn't mean to throw a ranch in. Yeah, this is great podcasting. Everybody's like, what the (laughs) fuck are you talking about? Okay, Felipe Hernandez. uh, I just, it's time for him to show up, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's past time, frankly. I mean, he's he's not a young player. He's a a veteran. He's 26, like, and he's on his, you know, sixth straight incomplete on the season, right? Yeah, basically. So yeah, it's time for Felipe to show up. Um, this is his opportunity to do so. Like I said, if they're not signing a DP midfielder in the off season, he's going to have opportunities to play. Yep. Um, and he needs to take advantage of them. Who else is going to Danny Flores? Like, I mean, like seriously, Ozzy Cisneros, who else, who else is challenging him for time? Uh, no one, <laughs> no one that we know of. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's what. That, so anyway, I think this is, I mean, the, the crazy thing is, is like he played, he played less minutes this year than he did last year, obviously, but also less minutes than he did, uh, in 2021. And so, um, um, <laughs> and, well, and, and obviously, and obviously less than last year with the suspension. Right. But, I mean, but he was he was playing so well up until he got suspended, and that seems yeah. to have like sort of stunted his performance a little bit. But also, like, bro, you're 25. Like, yeah. get back in there and do it. So, yeah, I want to see something from Felipe this year because yeah, he's he's got another incomplete this season. All right, let's move to the forward line. 
your guy, Daniel Shadowy. Talk to me. So uh, Daniel Shalloway, um I think had a had a pretty good season. Um, he one of one of the things that I um, like to tell players a pretty good season. Well, so so look, so look. I'm gonna let me okay. <laughs> let me be clear, right? So one of the things that I like to tell players um, that I coach uh, or that I parent is that uh, is that the way that that you separate good players from mediocre players is yes, it's, it's all the skills and, 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 you know, stats and all of those things, but really above all is consistency, right? It's being able to go out and do the same thing repeatedly uh, so that, you know, coaches and teammates know what to expect of you and know that they can get that game in and game out. Uh, And I think that that is, um, that's kind of where shallow he is. He is, um, as we've seen, you know, he's another one of those uh, write it in pen, you know, on the starting sheet. Um, he's a super consistent player. He is right in the prime of his career. He is um, one of the one of the team leaders in goals and assists and and all of the uh, attacking metrics that accompany those things. Uh, I think he is a um, he's a a. Uh, a really important player uh, for the attack on this team. Um, even though his numbers uh, aren't eye popping compared to a lot of the other uh, um, players on uh, in MLS, he just given the the, the left handed nature of the attack and and how how much of the ball he sees, how much of the attack flows through him. Uh, I think that he is just, uh, just a super important, uh, part of this team. And, um, I would, y- y- the only, the only knock on, um, on Daniel Shallowy and the only thing that keeps him, you know, out of, you know, a range for me is he, I mean, he does not, overperform his his numbers i knew this was gonna be i was i was like it's like he doesn't overperform his expected numbers he's right he's right well you would expect right which is which is fine but he also misses a lot of big chances um and so you know what happens to normal players right sure 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 sure. i think the fact that but that there's something to be said for the fact that he creates this many opportunities as well right right like he he is a constant chance creator, like constant mm-hmm. chance yeah, creator. Absolutely. And his, his, his goal, his, his goal contributions were 15. His expected yeah. goal contributions were 14. Like the fact that he is actually, he's the only one on the team that's anywhere near his expected contributions. Yeah. And I think we look at this from a statistical perspective, the fact that he's able to create this many chances and, and we've said this, we said this for a couple of years when he was in the doldrums, right? Is like, this guy is very good at giving the team the opportunity to score. Yeah. Um, is he a world-class finisher? No. But he gets in places to finish a lot. Yeah. He is, he is a very, very good MLS winger. That's what he is. Um, and, and he has a, he, I don't think his ceiling is super high, but his floor is not low at all. And so, you know, he is like a, a B to B plus player every game in and every game out. Sometimes he has an A game, but he, he never has a C game. And, um, and so, um, 
I don't know. I mean, he's a B plus for me. He's 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 that guy, yeah. and I don't and I and I, and that I'm that is not a disparaging B plus. That is a you know the every hey, team needs players if, like this. If C's de- degrees, you know, a point nine two GPA, what does that get you? A job at Google? Yeah, right, I mean, right. seriously, <laughs> like I, I, honestly, like Shallowy, he's. Um, I think the the one part I would push back is I feel like his game elevated this year to a next, yeah. to another level. Um, and we would see his ability to read a play and push by a player, read uh, a play and get inside out during a passing sequence. Just um, his technical skill has actually improved. It's not the same player that we saw last year. No, and so, his his leadership has improved. Also, he was actually captain for a couple of games, mm-hmm. and so uh, I think that that's worth noting. Also, yeah, he's he's both elevated in. Um, he has a speed element that I wasn't aware of, and he uses it now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's able to push by push by a fullback and run beyond them. Um, and there's just some additional things he's added to his bag that I think have made him better. I've got him in the A minus range. Okay. Um, He's like if Dennis Mwanga is an A plus, then maybe he's an A minus. A minus B plus is about the right kind of thing. Sure. Right? In that circumstance, he's, uh, he's not fast, but he's fast enough. That's right, and, and not even that. I just I'm thinking of like a transcendent winger like Mwanga. Yeah. yeah. Versus Shallowy is not transcendent. He's very good mm-hmm. and um, very um, valuable. But, and like I said, the, the consistency is key. You know what you – if you're a coach making a game plan, uh, you know what you can expect out of Daniel Shallowy every time that he goes out on the player. And you can and you can. He also gets on the ball a lot inside the 18. Yep. And, he, and he defends too. He presses and defends. He's, he's great. He's a complete winger. He's a complete yep. winger for sure. Yep. Um, he's not Hung Min's son, but he's pretty fucking good. All right, Johnny Russell. Um, I wanted to bring up Johnny Russell because I, I just feel like um, we're getting to the the end of the book with Johnny Russell, right? I feel like it's probably – I mean, he's on – they picked up his option this year. It's the end, the last option in his contract. He's obviously been the, the captain of this team for some time, for a couple of years now, ever since Beasler left, right? Hasn't he been the captain since then? Um. He's the heart of the team, and he still has those Johnny Russell moments in him. But he, 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 you know, has a he has he suffers from the problem you brought up over and over again. The older you get, the more likely it is you are to get injured, and the more likely it is for you to not be at your full strength. And as much as I loved the two goal performance, uh, to get into the playoffs against Minnesota when he was like not even supposed to play. And he sort of hard launched uh, baby number three. <laughs> um, I, you even watched the, if you watch the behind the, the shield thing, he even says it in there. He's like, I don't even know I was supposed to play in this game. Hmm. Like, and, and I appreciate the fact that he came up with something, but, um, there's like a there's like a work ethic kind of stuff. It like if it's Johnny Russell the captain and what he did as the captain of this team, fuck yeah, A plus. 
100 yeah. percent like getting the team together and taking them out to the ranch doing all the mm-hmm. kind of stuff yep. that yep. that that like reinvigorated the the culture of this team to be successful the rest of the year a plus 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 for russell yeah um as far as his performance on the field it's about a b minus probably yeah. right and i don't know if i can expect much more than that next year given another year on his legs and the a number of minutes he has on his legs period since he was playing professionally since he was 17. So like, I love him as a guy. Um, I'm concerned about his ability to do it. I mean, nobody on this team went more than what 2,800 minutes this year in the league. Right. So, um, Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing that we figured out how to be successful while not having to play everybody, play all of our best players 3,000 plus minutes. But Russell yes. can't do 3,000 minutes. He can't. No. And so there's got to be a conversation about, you know, how effective he can be and can. <laughs> just happened back there. Sorry. Uh, I can't even I can't even not talk about that because I'm sure all of everyone <laughs> on the podcast heard it. Uh I think the puppy busted down the baby door keeping hey, him it, upstairs. It so. happens. It happens. Yeah. Dogs do that. Um I, I think that as much as I love Johnny, I, I'm I'm concerned about our depth at that position. Behind. Yeah, it's a it's a huge concern uh because uh he is uh, he's a goal scoring winger and we don't have a goal scoring um, uh, option behind him. And so that is a problem. <laughs> so he, it's a very, very big problem, honestly. And so um, uh, who knows what they're going to do, but they, ha- they, they really have to do something and they have to do something uh, very, very quickly. Um, I, I mean, Johnny's Johnny's Johnny. He's Johnny's. He's just wonderful. You know, he's uh, I think his the, the Johnny sort of played 1200 minutes less than shallowy and scored uh, one more goal. Uh, yeah, that's Johnny. <laughs> I just, like there, he is a goal scorer. There's no doubt about it. But he's but he's also he's also streaky. He's always been sort of streaky. And that I think is has uh, the the uh, I don't just anecdotally, you know, from from my 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 gut feeling is that his, the the span between games uh, where he scores or has multi goal games is is seems to be getting longer and longer. But that might just be my uh, my imagination. Um, but I, I think that, you know, when it, I think it was a. a an inspired signing for uh, for Burmese to to bring him over because um, of of the sort of Johnny Russell aura, right? Like like what an unbelievable is, fit with this club, just an yeah, ideal I mean, fit, totally. And and with the community, with 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 Kansas City, um, he's been a you know a, a sort of a, a perfect avatar for the team, and um, and it's hard not to love the guy, you know, um, and so. Yeah, I, I agree but, with your I agree with your grades and I agree with uh, with your concerns. But which brings us to the the next conversation on the forward line, which is Marinos Chinese, which is, I mean, I don't know, incomplete F minus minus. I don't know what you call like his performance this year. Did like it's even... so it's so hard to grade. It's so hard to grade bench players because they they so seldom get the chance to like play. And so you don't really know, like, is he not getting the chance because um, because he's not trusted or is he not getting the trans- chance because he's bad? Is he not getting the chance because the, the coaches are, they, they just don't play young guys. I, I, is he not getting the chance because he's stuck behind the captain of the team? I don't, I don't know. I mean, 
I don't know. I, it's impossible to assign a, a grade. I mean, like incomplete is too incomplete of a grade. <laughs> right. And, just, and I think that's unknown. the point, right? It's like we have, we have no idea why he's not playing and how we can get him, like get, just get a reasonable assessment of what his abilities are. It's the same thing with Volater. Both he and Volater, we just really have no idea. So yeah. it, 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 my, my point is both Volater and Shawnees are on the last year of their U22 deal next year. Yeah. So we either get something out of them or it's time to find a place for them to go. That's it's not that's looking good. Weird. It really isn't for sure. All right. Moving to the front office. I don't even know who we give grades to in the front <laughs> office. Um, I mean, let's be honest, right? We, we were pretty hard on Vermees and the technical staff through the first 10 games of the season for obvious reasons. Um, the team had scored three total goals, had three total points. It was one of the worst. Actually, it was the worst ten game stretch, uh, ten game start in MLS history. Um, it wasn't the longest winless stretch because I think that went eleven plus games. But it was the worst ten game start in MLS history. So obviously, we had some thoughts about all of that. Um, Vermees was very clear and very fervent about the fact that when certain players became available and he has a valid point, especially looking in hindsight, that things would turn around. Um, I have to give that staff a lot of credit for figuring out a way, including the whole, you know, um, trip down to the ranch and whatnot to like reinvigorate the, the mindset of the team between the Illigs and Vermees and everyone involved to try and like rebuild this into a not of a dumpster fire of a season for sure. I don't want to call it successful. I think that that would be inappropriate to call it a successful season. I think it was a above average season. Is that the best way of describing it? C's get degrees, right? I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> it was above average. They yeah. were they were the last they were in the last eight teams left in the playoffs, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably fair. So, I mean, out of twenty nine teams, sure. twenty one teams were eliminated before them. Okay, right. So, I mean, I, I think from that perspective, you have to consider it above average. Um, you know, when you get into the playoffs, things become more of a just game by game sort of situational thing. Yeah. And um, especially in single eliminations, which is when we, and we so spent too fun. much time talking about Polito and his, you know, the, the necessi- necessity of him showing up in those scenarios. And he didn't really have the best game against Houston and blah, 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 blah. We don't need to re, re um, litigate all of that stuff. But I would think from an overall season perspective, from where it started to where it ended, the team performed admirably to get to where they did and um, above the expectations of anyone screaming for Peter Vermees's job in April, for sure. Um, beyond that, I don't know what to say. I, I, I think that, I think that there was an ideal, and a structure that makes sense. 
I think it was overly optimistic that it would be 100% available all the time with a limited backup plan. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and I, I would even add to that and say that, um, that, that not only that, but, um, (laughs) um, I lost my train of thought for some reason. Um, let's see here. Not having a backup plan. Yeah, not having a backup plan. So it, it's it, it goes beyond not having a backup plan. It's uh, even when they did have uh, their best players, and uh, I, I think that when you when you look around at you know the 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 teams that are definitely you know a tier uh, or maybe even two tiers above Sporting Kansas City, there's a there's a talent gap and there's a there's a um, a dynamism gap. I think. Um, and, and and I'm and I'm more worried about that part of it. If I'm being completely honest, it's it's the second part of it. The talent gap is going to happen. It's MLS. There's 29 teams. Everyone's operating under the same salary rules. Some guys are going to be better about choosing their above salary guys and their TAM guys and others. It's it's gonna have this. We're gonna have this sort of seesaw of who's got the best guys. And in fairness, when you get the best TAM and DP guys you're generally going to end up having to sell them, right? So like you 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 sort of you you get punished for your success a little bit in that regard. But regardless, there's going to be this seesaw of which teams have done a really good job of like finding those Tam and DP guys. Cucho Hernandez is an unbelievable center forward talent. He's like 24, he's Colombian. He is the best young center forward we've had in this league in I mean, I don't know, since like Jaime Moreno, like, I mean, seriously, like, I mean, think about it. Like he is an unbelievable talent playing center forward for Columbus. They just happen to pull this off. It's not that because they were Columbus, they made it happen. It was just, they just happened to be in the right place in the right time and have the right negotiation strategy and the right money available at the right, uh, right time to make that happen. So I think from that perspective, the talent I'm not as concerned about, I'm somewhat concerned about like scouting and everything. You got to figure that part out, but I'm not as concerned about the talent. I am concerned about the dynamism. So when we also look at the Columbus crew, we look at the type of soccer that they play and the coach and how they go about playing soccer. Um, Again, you guys going to have to listen to me talk about Tottenham Hotspur again, but this is why I'm so high at Ange Postacoglu because he plays soccer that I like to watch. And even if, our half our team's fucking injured and we give up the games at the end and I get frustrated and it's the most you know bone crushing fucking end of game goals that just come out of nowhere that half of them are lucky as shit and you just get really mad. Okay, fine. But I'm watching a brand of soccer I enjoy yeah. every single day. Wilfred Nancy plays an unbelievably entertaining brand of soccer. They take lots of risks. They do a lot of different stuff. It's also why they might could have lost or given up a a game tying goal at the end against LAFC because they play a certain way. But you enjoy it. There's a dynamism to the way that they play. It's interesting and it's fun. And I feel like what's interesting about Sporting Kansas City is over the last couple of years, some of the stuff I really enjoyed about their ball progression stuff has kind of sort of pulled back a little bit, especially at the end of this season. Vermees went into this sort of very like counter-attacky, you know, sort of LEFC kind of style 
we're just going to absorb and counterattack, except we haven't really, we don't have Denny's Blanca, <laughs> as we just discussed. So it doesn't really work. And they had a style that really was very functional um, at creating goal scoring chances for three months. And they changed to a different one for one team who had a de- defined style that it really worked against. And then they went, they didn't ever, they never moved back to what they do. And so, yeah, I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm less concerned about the talent. I don't think Sporting Kansas City has a massive talent problem. Um, I do have concerns about their the employment of that talent. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's a lot. No, no, no. I don't, uh, I don't necessarily disagree. Um, it is a lot. Uh, the The... I mean, we, it, it all goes back to, I think, um, I think when we were discussing game models and we were talking about, you know, the, the positives and negatives of the game model that, uh, that Peter Vermes employs. And, and, you know, one of the things maybe we didn't hit home hard enough about was the, the, the lack of a, um, the lack of a plan B, right. And so when we had to revert to plan B, um, uh, in the Houston game, or when we chose to revert to Plan B, it it wasn't something that the team was adept at, and uh, and and just just so everybody knows, I mean that other teams, you know, not every team, uh, not every team goes out in the same formation with the same players every every weekend. You know what I'm saying? Like like there's there there are different ways to go about uh, managing a soccer team and uh, ways to make your team more flexible ways to uh, ways to better use your team i think i think one of the things that really 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 bugs me about um, about this front office's approach uh, is uh, i there's just wasted roster spots right i mean like frankly felipe hernandez roster spot wasted just wasted like there's no point right and and like I think that's a huge roster spots twenty one through thirty. It's a huge, huge mistake. Other than Jake Davis, yep. are completely wasted. And and I think that if you look at the average MLS team, they're getting value out of yep. those off cap yep. roster. Absolutely, spots. they they're are. Get, they're getting they're getting significant minutes out of those off cap roster yep. spots. I think the other thing from a tactical perspective, as much as the wins against St. Louis were great. Sporting Kansas City, from an underlying numbers perspective, did not significantly outperform St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Okay, they scored three bangers mm-hmm. in St. Louis, and they were basically even in the game here. They just scored; they just happened to score twice. Yeah. And and I think that maybe that's part of the thing that I'm a little bit frustrated by is that we're um, we have. It, it it appears externally. I'm not sure this is true. It appears externally that we have a coaching staff that relies too much on results and not enough on how the results happened. If that makes sense, it's more like I saw. That's it, sort of the Bruce Arena corollary. It's like uh, all the only the only statistics that matter is who scores more. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but we have to know how the goals happen. Yeah. We have to be a little bit more thoughtful than that especially because every other fucking team is absolutely seeing how did they score goals how do they continue to create situations to put them in a place where they can score more goals and sometimes and i'm not sure if this is true or not but externally it feels like based on the coach speak that i hear from press conferences that 
It's more about like this was good, so I'm just going to keep doing it. Right. It's a it's, this produced a positive result, so I'm going to keep doing. It's it. a mindset that is um, more than happy to win one zero, right? Instead of a mindset of of we're going to win games if we have to win four to three, that's what we're going to do. It's entertaining, and we're yeah, going to go out that's there. That's not that's not in this coach exactly uh, and, and DNA in any way exactly. Um, and that's but that's what you're talking about. I mean, you you it's a it's a mindset thing for sure, and um, and it's a you know it's an embrace of like chaos to some extent, but it's also um, you know it's a game, man. It's supposed to be entertaining. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, there's a combination of being entertaining and also just like understanding how you created the most chances yeah. that you've created and what that what that structure looks like and how you adjust it for the your opponent in the right way so that you put yourself in the positions to create those chances. And I I, I just I don't. I, I feel like it's more like we won four to one last time against St. Louis. So we're going to do the same thing and we beat him again, two to one. So we're going to do the same thing against Houston. It, it seems a little bit basic. If that makes sense. Like it, it's it totally just seems basic. Like a, it's, it's, this, it, it feels this like this sort players of players like, won last weekend. So it's Wednesday. They're going to play again. And guess what? They're going to keep playing this 11 players until, until they and, lose a game. That's what it feels like to you and I. I don't know that that's the truth. I'm just saying that's what it feels like externally watching it. It's hard to get a separate point of view from that. And and I'm not I'm not, you know, throwing shade at anyone that's in a press conference, but no one's asking him that question. No one's going, "Hey, you played a counterattacking style against against Houston like you did against St. Louis. What caused you to think that that was the right way to go? There's no one asking that. Yeah. There's no one there's no one challenging like, "Hey, maybe this wasn't the best idea." Yeah. Cuz I and and this is just a singular example, right? Obviously, this is one example, but and I don't want to be that guy, but I fucking said before the before the game, I was like, "If they do this, it's the wrong tactical play." Yep. It's wrong. But but we both knew that there was a high probability that they were going to do that because that's how they work. And Right. And, and, the, and this is just one. And there's something to be said for the fact that this is also the same club, that this is also the same technical staff that took them from three points in 10 games to the MLS Cup playoffs and then into the conference semifinals. Yep. Right. So like from all that, from, from that perspective and the, the capability of like scoring enough points in 24 games to even just get into the playoffs. Right. Like, I mean, there's something to be said for that. So I don't want to like shit on them. I'm not, I'm not saying like you guys fucking suck, but also I'm like, I, I think that there's, I'm concerned that there's a um, little caveman-ish sort of philosophy <laughs> towards managing this team. Yeah. An outdated philosophy. Outdated. Right? That's a good and way. So, and, and, you know, I, I've started, I, was a little, uh, I was a little derogatory for my phrase I, I, with my simile. 
I, I've said in the past that that you know this the the even at its at its at its peak at its best with all of the the players available, this team feels like a team that was built for like 2019 for, instead of 2023, and I think that that maybe that kind of um, maybe that kind of underlines uh, the point that you make is that um, everything seems a little you know out of date. And it might just be because because it's we've seen it before. Like we've been fans for a long time, and and it's the same coach and most of the same you know front office. And so you know it's like Groundhog Day to some extent. But but I think that there is some uh, validity to the points that we're making. Yeah, I think there's nuance to this conversation for sure. I don't want to be binary in my in my um, mindset related to this. I don't I don't think it's one or another. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of competing factors that create this situation for sure. Um, but it, yeah, I, I think that if you were to take the average fans um, response regarding, you know, Vermees and the front office staff, it, it, their, their reticence to keeping him around, especially in April when we had, you know, not one in 10 games and the chance started happening and the sort of combativeness occurred is a lot of it is embedded in the fact that it's just been the same fucking guy since 28, 2008. Yeah, well, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that, that is part of it, right? There's a staleness regarding that. And, and that's not to say that, I, that that's the right point of view. I don't think that necessarily is. Um, we have throughout this season brought this conversation up several times and said, Hey, look, it's not always better. Look at the same fucking coaches getting recycled over and over again. Mm -hmm. Dean Smith is about to be mm -hmm. the coach of Car Charlotte mm -hmm. FC. <laughs> better or worse than Frank Lampard. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm really not sure. <laughs> Um, Bruce Arena is obviously going to get a job. Looks like maybe in DC, right? I, I, I think that, you know, we're just, um, who's the coach now in Portland? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, just, it's just like a Phil Neville. Like, they just keep like recycling through different guys over and over and over again. Like, there, I said this in the article I wrote for the Casey Soccer Journal about replacing Gotti Kinda. I was like, D defensive mids, or excuse me, defensive mids, DP midfielders don't grow on trees. The promise of a DP midfielder isn't always the same as the reality of a DP Amen. midfielder, right? Yeah. Look at how many fucking DPs Minnesota United's rolled through and has done jack shit with. Yep. You know what I mean? I think that um, you know, replacing for you, the the idea of replacing your coach is not always as good as the actual yeah. the reality of doing it. And um, so I'm not and and I'm not in any way advocating for a replacement of Peter Vermees. I'm advocating for a um, evolution of Peter Vermees. I just, and I just, I, I just want them to hire a set piece specialist. That's all I ask. Like, just, just hire somebody who knows how to coach attacking set pieces, please. Yeah, I, I feel like that's Z's job. Hey man, I feel like I don't know whose job. job it is. I don't care. I'm not calling for anybody's job. I'm saying hire somebody else. Right? Give that person uh, something else. I, I want. I want set piece action. Yeah. I don't know for a fact that that is, but it, it, I feel like that might be his job anyway. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that, um, 
there are a lot of clubs out there that we have seen create a positive value out of being exceptionally good at set pieces. Brentford comes to mind. Um, Colorado Rapids up until this past season come to mind. Um, was was Mastroeni at the Rapids when they were getting all of the? I think he was. Mm-hmm. He was the coach mm-hmm. when they were winning set pieces all the time. I'd be interested to see if RSL was really good at set pieces this year. Um, I think that um, yeah. I mean, I think all those are valid. So if I'm given the technical staff a score, um, it's about a, a B minus. Yeah, I would say C I would say C plus. Yeah. C plus. Yeah. C plus. B Just minus. above average. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, if you're getting a test in college, it's probably about a 80, yeah. right? <laughs> 70, 78, 80, somewhere in that range. Um, and, and, and I think that that's a fair assessment of how the season went. Um, but yeah, I, I think that we're both looking for a little bit of evolution and a little bit more modernity if i'm going to use that phrase to like the 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 approach yeah both from a um statistical model perspective and just how you identify talent utilize it as well as the game model yep absolutely all right jesus christ i didn't believe we would be going this deep on this um do you know yourself come on man well, I was like, hey, we're just going to cover like three players per line yeah. and it would just go really fast. And <laughs> we are um, we are we are two people with significant opinions that are very verbose about those opinions. Yeah. So just kind of how it goes. Um, OK, MLS hot stove has started. Trade windows open. Free agencies open. Um, we know it was open because Nashville SC traded away five international roster spots for like $850,000 a game. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is one of those spots came from Sporting Kansas City. Sporting Kansas City has like an extra two hundred forty k in GAM this year because they traded so many away last year that they had to buy one from Sporting Kansas City um, so they could sign Sam Surridge. Um, but if you actually look at the math, I think they somehow Nashville made money on both sides of that trade. <laughs> okay. They, 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 um, they bought the, the spot from KC for less than they um, were given for theirs in, in the beginning of the season. And then I think if you do the math, you got to math it out, right? Like it's a year and a half worth of international spot. So they paid roughly 160 K for it for the, for 2024. And then they sold it for 175. So, I mean, Mike Jacobs, like just the, uh, the unbelievable King of <laughs> MLS, MLS roster rules, money-making. <laughs> he is the King of Garber bucks. Uh-huh. Like he just, he knows how to create Garber bucks uh, for sure. And Mike Jacobs, by the way, former sporting Kansas city front office member um, now just doing his thing over in Nashville. Um, not a whole lot of significance going on. Uh, like I said, there's a whole lot of talks about this, that, and whatever Julian Gressel might be going to Miami um, because I'm an ridiculous degenerate. I actually went through Miami seller cap to see how the hell they could sign Julian Gressel. They're going to have to let some folks go. Mm. If they're doing that. Um, I, I, I just don't see it. 
especially if they're signing uh, Luis Suarez. Luis Suarez is going to have to be a DP. I, I, everybody's like, oh, he's not going to be a DP, blah, 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 blah. No, just financially with their allocation money available, he's going to have to be a DP. Um, Suarez is a DP. Signing Gressel is going to be hard for them without letting some folks go. Chris Henderson's been pretty good about finding loans for players. Um, the main reason they're in trouble is they got a couple of season ending injury list guys mm-hmm. that are going to be back that are still on the roster that are under contract that are like a million on their, on their cap. So, or on their salary budget. So, um, I don't know. I'm hearing nothing about Kellen Acosta, but I, I, I think that I would, I'm kind of coming along to your mindset, which is he's not the right DP for this team. No. I love him as a player, man. Sure. I'm sorry. I love that guy as a player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I don't think his value to Sporting Kansas City is as a DP. No. He is valuable as a DP to other teams, but not as Sporting. Agree. Maybe Orlando. Orlando might be a good spot for him. Hmm. I don't know. I mean. Um, Kansas City Current, they've had to do multiple things. I, are we sure Camille Ashton is good at her job? I said this in the Discord. Um I, I'm not sure she is. Um, they had to give up Kate Delfava and the fourth pick in the draft to get expansion draft protection. <laughs> Which, Seems like a I lot. Mean, don't get me wrong. The NWSL expansion draft is fucking ridiculous. You're only allowed to protect nine players. Like we, We've talked about the expansion drafts previously when MLS has had them. Usually, like your exposure is Diego Rubio or somebody like that, right? Like that's it. The current would be exposing like players they recently signed or low Labanta or you know what I mean? Like that that would that that is what they'd be looking at in that circumstance. Um so to have to make trades like this to get draft protection is kind of ridiculous. So that that's part of it. But also part of it is that they waited till fucking the literally the day of them putting out their list to make some sort of deal with Utah. So they were bent over a barrel. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, I, I feel like I just, I'm not sure that I'm not sure about Camille Ashton. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I, just, I, don't, I don't know what to say. Uh, other than uh, we'll see. I mean, if, uh, if Vlaco can do his thing with the, with the players they end up with and well, I'll... if, if Hannah glass is, you know, uh, you know, 95% of every game player, that's fine. Yeah. But she hasn't played a fucking game for this team yet. And they signed her last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, like I, and we don't even know if she's any good. Like she may be so like her injury may have put, put her in a situation. I don't know. Like that's the part. It's like, they must feel really confident and, I don't know. I just, I feel sometimes like this team is being managed. Like it's a football manager save. I really do. Maybe it is. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I just want, I just want, all I, all I ask for is, is a competent coach to put Dabinia in a position to do Dabinia things. That's all I want. And I, and I think Vlaco is that. I I, I watched a little, I've watched a little bit of the under pressure thing on Netflix. I haven't gotten through all of it yet. Um, it's interesting to see because um, everyone talks about how much of a player's coach Blacko is because of his um, accent and his heritage. He feels really flat in his communication. Mm -hmm. Like if you watch that, it doesn't feel like he's like endearing himself. Mm -hmm. 
to the players that much. And, but everyone like externally, I've heard over and over again about how he's such a player's coach, but I'm watching the communication. It just looks really rigid and just sort of like, um, impersonal. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm just sort of surprised to see that because, but then they show him being goofy, like standing in a window outside of practice or something. I, so I, I don't know, like it's, it's hard for me to, to, to square. I'm not in those things. And so I'm only seeing the, the dumb like documentary video of it, but um, everything I have been told is that he's a really good players coach and that players like him. Um, most of the stuff they said, it was interesting. The stuff I heard. And I, again, I haven't watched all of it yet, but um, there was a whole, they, the players brought up the fact that there was a whole lot of tactical um, requirements to every match that they weren't familiar with seeing in national team games. That's not surprising. And I think, well, I mean, and, and this is something that jives with what we saw, <laughs> right? The players but, who, and, looked and, like, and it, who looked overloaded, like they didn't know what looked that, looked confused uh-huh. as to what thing they were supposed to do next. And it also jives with sort of the Greg Berhalter stuff, yeah. right? The yeah. things that we've yeah. discussed about him, but also things that would be positive mm-hmm. in a club environment, a club team. absolutely in a club environment, yeah. right? Um, so I think that that was a part that I took from him that I took as a positive is that he really thinks about the game tactically and has a very clear tactical idea of what he wants a team to do from match to match. And um, I think that is a good thing. Yeah, I because totally agree. They absolutely did not fucking have that <laughs> no. last year no, after Potter got let go. There was no tactical identity to this team whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that, that is actually a positive. So we'll have to see how that works out. In their giant, in their stadium that has Boulevard beer and room 39 and whatever other fucking um, Kansas city staples they can put in there that makes everyone like, Hey, this is what sporting Kansas city used to be like before they blah, 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 blah. I'm like, bro, just, this is, this is just the stage. It's one. just the millennials just learning what selling out is. I mean, us Gen Xers know everybody sells out, dude. That's just the way it goes, man. I promise you them big ass <laughs> brands are coming into that stadium. Just wait. Everybody sells out because money is what talks loudest. So these these um hedge fund managers of a, over a billion dollars in freaking equity are not trying to not make a bunch of money. Right. I'm just I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Like I appreciate that everyone thinks this is the beautiful most like like um you know, uh, wonderful thing and this investment in women's sports, blah, 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 blah. This is not a charity. No, not at all. <laughs> not at they all. They're going to prop, they're going to profit off that shit as soon as they possibly can. And they already are in ticket prices. So they are. So yeah. it's a it's yeah. expensive ticket. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I appreciate the investment. I do. Yeah. And I think everything about it is good, but, um, we have to stop acting like this is a philanthropic campaign uh-huh. into women's sports because yeah. it is absolutely not. No. It's their ambition is driven by profit incentives. So, exactly. You know. Exactly. It is. It is. This is not a loss leader for them right. to support women's sports. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. All right. We went another two fucking hours. Holy shit. Okay. Well, you know, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Enjoy. (laughs) 
I don't know. If, I I don't. I, I know if we're going to be back next week or not. Well, if we figure out something to talk if about, if we sign, we will. if Sporting signs Ronaldo, we'll be we'll be back. Or this fucking guy, every fucking time you have to bring up Ronaldo, every time. Yeah, what if we sign like uh, Frankie De Young is out of contract at Barcelona, isn't he? Like maybe we sign Frankie. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Mario Hermoso is out of contract at Atletico Madrid. Can we sign a DP center back for twenty million a year? No, I'm going to pass on that. I I actually thought about it. I was like, this is dumb. Like, why would you do yeah. that? Like, I don't I don't think a twenty million dollar a year center back actually makes your team better enough no. for it to be worth the investment. No, you especially in MLS, you have to pay for goals. That's what you pay for. Well, that, that's that's the point I was yeah. making. Like I said this earlier. It's like uh, a $20 million a year center back doesn't stop near as many nope. goals as a $20 million a year Lionel Messi scores goals. Nope. Just the way it works. All right. Well, on that note, I'm Drew. He's Cody. We'll talk to you all Happy, sometime soon. Happy holidays. <laughs>